Going into the class of 2023 from a recruiting standpoint, what are Oregon's biggest needs? Where should Dan Lanning and his staff be focusing their attention? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Oregon Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. I appreciate all of you who have done so already. Let's talk some recruiting. It's off-season in college football. What else are we talking about but recruiting? Well, there's, you know, lots of things, schematics and players and depth charts and injuries and all that sort of stuff. But recruiting's at the forefront because, of course, it is. Jaden Rashad's commitment coming this Saturday, potentially. I mentioned this on Monday's show. For those of you who did not, or was it Tuesday? I don't know. All the days are blurring together and such. But I talked to Jane Rashad over the weekend. He seemed very unsure about where he was going. Very, like, <laughs> he had no inclination, or at least he didn't want to tell us. So maybe that's just him, you know, not wanting to to give the media any fodder on, on shows like this when come on and say, oh, he's leaning this way, he's leaning that way. But reading his body language, listening to his responses, he seems like he was very, very unsure. So we'll have to, we'll have to monitor all of that, but... You know, when we do all this talking about recruiting, the next episode that, that I record will be with John Garcia, the Sports Illustrated Director of Recruiting, who I bring on the show every week. I was thinking about, you know, kind of where Oregon's priorities should be. So I thought I would answer that question. Where should Dan Lanning and this staff's recruiting priorities be as they look to fill out the first full recruiting cycle in Eugene? Now, these are what I've got as, as the top needs. If you feel differently, hop in the YouTube comments, hop in my DMs at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. Tell me if you think differently, ask a question, anything of the sorts. In order, this is in order of where I would, you know, if I were Don Johnson, who I, I believe has been recovering, getting, getting better after a heart attack, scary thing there, but he appears to be uh, very much on, on the upswing. If I were him, the director of player personnel, and thinking about you know where do we need to be bringing in players? Where are the biggest needs? I would look first at the defensive line, and I'd look at the defensive end position specifically, that edge position, right? That Kayvon Thibodeau played because you know, and, and I think this staff recognizes that's a place where they need to be looking. I mean, they're going after some pretty big names, Jaden Wayne among them. Uh, Mateo Uyunglele is in there, David Hicks as well. The reason I have this number one is, is because I answered a mailback question not long ago about, you know, how a coaching staff prioritizes adapting scheme to their personnel or adapting personnel to fit their scheme. It's much more adapting personnel to fit scheme. That's why first year coaches, especially now, bring in a lot of transfer players because they want guys who are going to fit what they want to do. Dan Lanning has said, or maybe it was Tosh Lupo, but I'm pretty sure it was Dan Lanning, that you know, you're know you going to win championships from the defense up. That's what he did at Georgia. He's you know He was on Alabama staff uh, a while back. Like That's the philosophy that he brings when it comes to winning football games. And you can 
you know, choose to do it with defense and special teams. You can choose to be balanced, offensive head, whatever. But Dan Lanning, no surprise, is going to have a defensive first approach. And so defense first approach. Sorry, that's that's my mom's years and years of correcting my grammar just coming out right there. So you can uh, you, you can thank my mom, Jackie, for that. But um, the reason I put the defensive line first is if you're going to win championships, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be your calling card, which I expected to be at Oregon to some extent. And if we're going to look, you know, any semblance like Georgia did this past year in the coming years, right? If that's what Dan Lanning touched Lupo are trying to build, it has to start on the defensive line. It, it has to start there because the best defenses are able to get pressure with four. You just rear back, rush four, drop seven in a coverage, you got, you know, maybe a, a check down of four receivers. That's a lot easier to cover when you have seven DB, well, not seven DBs, but seven guys in coverage, you know, two linebackers, five DBs, and you're running, you know, straight man to man. And that's just a much easier way to play defense. You want to make it easier on yourself. And I mean, give me the elite defense that didn't have top tier pass rushers. Georgia had Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick, Jordan Davis, who is just a mountain of a human being he belongs in game of thrones that guy is so big he's like the the mountain you know Grigor Clegane for those of you game of thrones fans out there but you know it, it's just something that you have to have and I think that as they look to build the roster in their image you've got to have a, a premier pass rusher you have to be stout against the run as well that's what somebody like David Hicks would be able to provide someone who Oregon is after, but Texas A&M, I think, is the lead last time I saw, according to on-three recruiting. But, you know, I think that's why they're going after these big-time edge prospects because they know that's got to be number one. Second, and this might sound a little odd, but I think the number two priority for the Ducks going into 2023 is offensive line. And that's going to be an unquestionable strength for the Ducks in 2022. Which might lead you to ask, well, why would it, you know, be something they need to address? Why would it be so close to the top of your list when it comes to their their recruiting priorities in 2023? Right now, they're starting five, most likely on the offensive line. You'll have TJ Bass, you'll have Alex Forsyth, you'll have Steven Jones, Big Sala, and Ryan Walk, and then you'll have Dawson Jaramillo in there, and we'll see how much Josh Connerly ends up working his way into the fold as a freshman. Might need to put on just a, a few pounds, but really athletic and, and talented guy, as we all know. Now, going into 2023, the only one of those guys who could return would be Steven Jones, and he might be gone to the NFL. When we saw George Moore go, I think Jones is you know, pretty similar to George Moore. I, I haven't done a full deep dive on which of them project as the best NFL offensive lineman, but I think they're pretty similar in that sense. And so you look at those five names and there is a very real possibility that you could have five new starters in 2023. And that's just the way that a recruiting cycle works, right? If you remember early in coach Cristobal's tenure, there was that group of offensive linemen, Jake Hansen, Shane Lemieux, Calvin Throckmorton, who all started as freshmen, and they struggled a little, but were overall solid, and we were looking at it going, okay, in a few years, they're going to be really, really good, and they were, right? And this unit has very much fulfilled those sorts of expectations to where they're one of the premier lines, I think, not just in college football, but in the country. I mean, they were the reason that we won 10 games a season and go first and foremost is 
Oregon was able to run the ball and we could run down the clock at the end and Travis Dye was good and all, all that sort of stuff. The offensive line was the unquestionable strength, as you would have expected. But you're just going to lose so much production there. And, you know, with a couple transfers that we've had, Jalen Jeffers and Jonathan Dennis both left the program, who one day very easily could have been starters. I think at some point you're just going to need bodies. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, Davey Uli is another name to follow. Class of 2022 from the Puyallup area, I believe, four-star offensive lineman. Maybe he works his name into the fold. We'll see if other guys who are on the roster are able to emerge. But, you know, it, it's really nice to, to know that Josh Connerly is a guy who will probably be able to contribute early in his Oregon career. I want to touch on the offensive line just a little bit more. But I want to tell you that Built has come up with another new amazing flavor. I know. I don't know how they keep doing it either. You hear about one, you're like, oh, that's amazing. How could they possibly do better? Birthday cake puffs. What more do they need? Here is the new flavor. Drum roll, please. Mud pie. They've got the mud pie bar and the mud pie puff. If you aren't sure what mud pie tastes like, I'll give you an idea. If you're a chocolate fan, you might want to sit down because this is going to get very exciting. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream, chocolate mousse, yes, please, smothered in 100% real chocolate, topped with cookies and cream crumble. Tell me, which of those things doesn't sound good? And it's, you know, 150 calories, 8 grams of sugar, and a bunch of protein, 16 grams to be exact. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. At built.com. Having depth on the offensive line is just something that, that Oregon's going to need to have. And, you know, I, I think Yuli could be a guy. Connerly certainly will be there. But if you ask me right now, next season, who's Oregon's starting center? I don't know. Do you know? Because when Alex Forsyth hasn't played because of injury in a couple games over the past couple seasons, it's been Ryan Walk who has slid over. Like is Dawson Jaramillo ready to slide in and be the starting center? I don't know. He's shown some really nice things. I love having him as a backup offensive lineman, and I think he fills in admirably the number of slots. But being the center, that's a little bit different, and so that's why I've got offensive line as a, a high priority on on the recruiting trail for the Ducks because they're going to run out of bodies, and you got to have talent up there, you know, and if. Oregon is going to continue to run the ball with any semblance of success the way they have over the past couple of seasons. You've got to be able to recruit the big boys up front. And I think they're just about to lose so much. Again, starting five this year, TJ Bass, Stephen Jones, Alex Forsyth, Big Sala, Ryan Walk. It's such a good unit. It is easily Oregon's strongest and I think is a reason Bo Nix could be poised for elite forward compared to what he did at Auburn this year in 2022 for the Ducks. But pretty soon... <laughs> Those guys are all going to be gone, and we'll be looking around like, so um, who's who's blocking for the quarterback here? <laughs> like, who's who, who's doing that? Like, what's that guy's name? Where is he from? And, you know, that's why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show because I will always go in-depth on, on that sort of research when the time comes. But, you know, you have to start building that, that next sort of uh, generation, if you will, in, in the college football sense of offensive linemen with Oregon. And I think that, you know, just the, the number of guys they're going to lose combined with the guys they've already lost, I think is something that, that Dan Lanning and Adrian Clem need to prioritize. And they have been, right? I'll, I'll talk with John Garcia in, uh, on our next episode, which will be Friday or three days a week here in the summer. Sometimes it'll be more, but, you know, typically 
uh, three days a week instead of our, our typical five. But um, that's uh, that, that's something we'll continue to follow on on the recruiting trail. Uh, another priority here that I have is safety. Now, this may change depending on how the 2022 season plays out. Because and I'll get to uh, Cody DeCambra here to to close up the show later, but depending on how Brian Addison and Triquez Bridges perform, and I expect more from Bridges than I do from Addison. You know, guys who are struggling to find a home and are and are going back and forth on both sides of the ball, it can be tough for them to produce the way a guy who comes in at, at one position plays that position is learning that position, always getting those sorts of reps it can be tough to replicate that sort of success. Now, maybe Brian Addison does what we're all hoping DJ Johnson will do. And that's, you know, finally pop and, and find a home at that particular slot. Uh, he was recruited. One of them uh, bridges was recruited originally as a safety. I think Addison was a wide receiver, but has played safety before. But to me, when I watch both of them play, because they're both big bodies, you know, they're both tall and, and kind of lanky, not incredibly thick, like, you know, a Javon Holland or a Jamal Hill or even a Bennett Williams, you know, they don't have that that kind of built quality to them. They're definitely built more like strong safeties, but I don't see either of them as, you know, true roamers the way, at least, you know, from what I've seen in their college careers, I don't see them as true roamers the way that like a, a Verone McKinley was or John Boyette back in the day or, you know, even Javon Holland a little bit, though he was uh, more of a strong safety, but you have to have that free safety on the back end who is, you know, the the field general, the guy who's going to go up and, you know, cover sideline to sideline on the back end of your secondary. I think Addison and Bridges both kind of project as the same sort of guy. Now we'll see, you know, maybe one ends up being a little bit more of a free safety. I think Brian Addison's the more likely of the two to be that sort of player. But you know, another reason I think safety is a pretty high priority for the Ducks and Dan Lanning and, and Demetrius Smart and the DBs coach, Matt Powledge, as well. He coaches the safeties is after this season, you could be looking at an Oregon secondary that no longer has Bennett Williams. He's for sure gone after this year. And we don't know what Jamal Hill is going to do. And I, I'm very high in Jamal Hill as an NFL player. I could see him as somebody who carves out a role. I don't think he has the production to be, you know, a higher, even mid round draft pick at this point. I think at best he would be a late round pick, but probably an undrafted free agent, but capable of making a team. I, I would say so. And, you know, we'll, we'll see whether or not he decides to come back. He has another year after this season. Should he choose to, to exercise that option, but we don't know what he's going to do. But if you, are looking at Oregon secondary after the 2022 season and you're without Bennett Williams and you're without Jamal Hill, you suddenly in a four, two, five scheme need those sorts of bodies who are, you know, kind of bigger safeties can drop down in the box, help against the run more than a, a traditional defensive back can, you know, the way that, I mean, maybe they would have to slide Jeffrey Bossa back to safety, which as Many of you probably know. I really want them to do, but they like him at at at, uh, at outside linebacker. I just think he's a little undersized there. I think he's perfect to play all over the place. But we'll see what we do. You know, maybe he plays kind of a joker position in secondary where he, he's just kind of moving around, or you know, he's in in passing situations at the linebacker position. We'll we'll just see what they do with Bossa. But uh, I'm I absolutely love what, watching him play now. What some of you may have noticed by now, because I think those are the top 2023 20, recruiting priorities 
for the Ducks is I did not say quarterback. I know, very, very interesting. Oregon's going after big-time quarterbacks. I like Dante Moore a lot. I like Jaden Rashada a lot. I think there is some nice upside with Avery Johnson, the four-star pretty mobile quarterback coming out of the state of Kansas, who you know is uh, being heavily recruited by Kansas State, who's in the lead for him right now. But if you're talking about the 2023 season and what Oregon's going to need the most you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I don't think quarterback is above any of those three positions that I just listed, and here's why. Bo Nix, if he wants, could have two years of eligibility. And let's assume he's going to be the starter because, let's be real, Bo Nix is going to be Oregon's starter this year. He could be for the next two years. Maybe he's not. But if it's just one, as I suspect it will be, because it just kind of has it has that sort of feel, by 2023, either Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield have to be ready to start. I'm not saying it has to be one or the other. Ty Thompson's got a higher ceiling because he has a better arm. But if Jay Butterfield's a better quarterback, then go with the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win. But if you're given a full offseason behind Bo Nix, a veteran college football quarterback, and you're given a full offseason to learn the new system, right? So I, I think in that sense, Ty and Jay are, all, are almost freshmen once again because they are, are learning a new offensive system from the one they were taught a season ago. And, and that takes a lot of time to to learn and to develop and understand the reads and the timing and the rhythm and all that sort of stuff and everything that comes with, with being a, a quarterback at the Power 5 level. If neither of them are ready by 2023, that is a major indictment on, on this coaching staff on the offensive side. You, you have to have one of those guys ready to start by then. It doesn't have to be both because – not every guy develops the way that you would like him to when he comes out of high school as a pretty highly touted recruit. But I'm not doubting that either one would be, but I'm saying from a coaching perspective, you got to have one of those guys ready. And, and frankly, as we saw in uh, the Alamo Bowl catastrophe of the 2015-16 season, you should have a backup quarterback who's ready to slide in at all times. And Jeff Lockie was not. And that led to one of the most embarrassing days in recent memory for for the ducks and so i think you gotta have you know one who's at least mostly ready this year but by next year yeah one of them should be able to step in be the starting quarterback and and, and win games in the pac 12 to me that's an expectation and i think both guys are talented enough and have shown me enough to the point where they're capable of developing to that level so that's why i don't put quarterback as you know, one of the the top recruiting needs as you look at 2023. Do I want him to get a really talented quarterback? Yeah, of course. I want talented players on the roster at every position. But is it the most pressing need? I would say no. Speaking of the safeties, remember, if you ever want a question answered here on the show, you tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks or hop in the YouTube comments as well. I check those daily and uh, we'll answer any question you have on there. The Ducks' latest 2023 verbal commitment is on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like a lot of them have been, you know, uh, offensive and we're kind of waiting for the the big the big uh, kind of roll through of, 
you know, major defensive recruiting names to to come through with Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoi, who have that reputation, understandably so and deservedly so. The uh, latest verbal commitment in the class of 2023 is four-star safety Cody DeCambra. And got to shout out his primary recruiters, as always, Demetrius Martin and Matt Powlich, who are coaching Oregon's DBs now. He's a four-star out of Bishop Gorman High School in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. I'm sure you recognize that high school name, too. Uh, they've produced more than a few good college football players over the years. It's one of those like a, you know, a St. John Bosco or a, a modern day. I mean, they're just, you know, some schools where you, you hear them and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I know that one. I'm sure there have been a number of good players to to come from there. But uh, he stands six feet tall, 175 pounds. So he needs to put on some weight. But the good news is he's got time because he's a 2023 commit. But that's pretty darn thin. He's got a 90.47 composite rating or 0.9047, if you prefer, on uh, 24-7 sports. In the class of 2023, he's a top 30 safety and the number three player in the state of Nevada, which, you know, is not a, a major recruiting hotbed, but it's also been known to, to shell out some pretty solid talent. So being a top five player in the state anywhere is good, but Nevada, it's, you know, certainly a step above, say, like a Colorado or a wyoming or montana or something like that but one thing that he has and you know i was talking about the need for oregon to have a, a ball hawking safety in addition to you know those bigger guys who can kind of drop down in the box and you know maybe match up with a tight end he's not that sort of guy but he is you know more of a, a verone mckinley john boyette type of player though Boyette boyette was pretty fit thick and and, and could hit people um Gosh, Oregon's had a lot of great safeties over the years. I just randomly started thinking of, you know, like TJ Ward. That dude was out there ready to ready to pop some kids. But DeCambra runs a 4.53 40-yard dash. Those are some darn good wheels. <laughs> that is that is some legit high-end speed. I think you get him get him in the weight room, he could drop down under four or five, and that is some really, really good speed to have on the back end of your defense. Uh, his scouting report, an above-average man-to-man defender. This is from 24-7 Sports. He's got position versatility and a multi-dimensional skill set. And, you know, he's willing and able to come up and help and run support when you look at uh, his highlight reel. I think that that will start to fade a little as he gets to the college ranks, unless he can really put on some weight because, you know, I hear positional versatility on the back end of the defense. I think of somebody like, uh, you know, the guy that Oregon's about to lose Bennett Williams, who just, who can just kind of do it all. He can play nickel. He can play safety. He can play a, a star position, uh, you know, whatever you need from him on the back end, he's going to be able to do to Canberra maybe has that potential, but, He's not quite as, as big at this point in time, but he still has the mindset, which does matter of, you know, I've got to be somebody who helps out and run support and, you know, it is a part of the defense in that way. So I, I, I'm, I'm high on this verbal commitment. I, I like it because it fills what, what I see, as I explained earlier, as a position of need for the Ducks. And, you know, he's uh, a pretty highly sought after recruit. I think he needs to put on some weight, but you got blazing speed like that. You're typically going to be able to make it in some form or another at uh, at the Power 5 level. I appreciate you making this your first listen. Go make Lockdown Pac-12 your second. I'm hosting Talking About the Conference of the Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.